Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick, coming to you from Omaha, Nebraska, home of the College World Series. It is Sunday morning. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Hope you're having a good day celebrating with your family. Looking forward to more baseball tomorrow. I am away from my family right now, and I appreciate my wife for taking care of the little one, but excited to be here at the College World Series. It wasn't the day that it was predicted to be for the Red Raiders. It wasn't the day it was predicted to be for the Arkansas Razorbacks either, and now those two teams will meet up on Monday at 1 p.m. in an elimination game here in the College World Series. I know there's frustration out there. I know there's a lot of questions about the way this team played. I'll do my best to answer some of those questions for you and to look ahead to the Razorbacks. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. From opening weekend all the way through Omaha, we'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Well, as I said, not the day that we expected from the Texas Tech Red Raiders. A little bit of a frustrating day for Texas Tech. I think there's no doubt about that. We see a lot of things on the internet, a lot of folks kind of overreacting a little bit about this and that, but I don't think anybody put it any better than Coach Tadlock himself. Um, congratulations to Michigan. I uh, thought they played better than us in all phases of the game. thought Kaufman was uh, brilliant. thought their lineup was very competitive. thought they played great defense. Um, I mean, it really looked like a team that's playing at the top of their game, um, which I'm sure they needed to be doing uh, and have been doing for a couple weeks now. And you can see how they arrived here at this point. And, uh, you know, Kaufman was tough. He's a guy that, uh, you know, is mixing and fastball counts some and uh, just did a really good job. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's, you know, if there's one thing that, we would probably say, I mean, we'll, we'll take our team, you know, with our backs against the wall any day of the week, and uh, we like our guys. I have to agree with Coach Tadlock. The Wolverines did play better than the Red Raiders in pretty much every aspect of the game, and I hate to say it that way. I'm not trying to be too harsh on this team, but they just didn't come out there with the fire and seem like they were quite as ready to play as the Wolverines were. We'll go through and talk about the game a little bit. You know, I think there's a lot of things being laid at the feet of very specific players that I disagree with, but I do think that there were some miscues throughout the game that you don't normally see, and some of those unfortunate things that happen in baseball that 99 out of 100 times it goes the way of the Red Raiders, and it just so happened that one time might have happened in the College World Series Game 1 yesterday. So, you know, Michael Dallas is your starter on the day, but he ends up only making it three innings pitched. He gives up six hits, four runs, three of them earned, has a walk and two strikeouts, goes 61 pitches in those three innings. Just not an ideal day for Micah Dallas. He's a guy that looks to get out there and really hang in for six or seven innings, and it just wasn't the day that that worked out for him. It looked like his fastball wasn't quite there the way he wanted it to be, but then his breaking stuff wasn't getting his spots either, and so he ended up hanging some things out on the plate. Didn't give up just a ridiculous amount of offense. I don't think Michigan brings that to the table as much. They do have four guys that have hit 12 home runs apiece, but that's not usually the case 
that's something to worry too much about in TD Ameritrade. It's such a big yard to play in. Really, though, Jordan Nwogu leads things off, has a leadoff single in the game, and ends up advancing into scoring position on a pass ball. That's uncharacteristic. You don't see a ton of pass balls from Braxton Fulford. That one just got by him, just a mental error. So you advance a runner into scoring position, and then he ends up scoring on a sack fly after moving around on a 4-3 ground out. So that one mistake scored the first run of the game and was really a difference maker, certainly early in the game and setting the tone. And so I think that one pass ball is a big one to look at and say that set the tone and maybe changed the momentum very early on. Michigan continued to roll along. Dallas gave up one hit and then there was a stolen base on that base runner in the second and you didn't see a lot more out of them there. And then you turn a double play at the top of the third inning, and you got two outs early and thinking you're feeling really good, and then suddenly the wheels fall off. There's a walk, and then there's a single advancing a base runner, and then you end up with a two-RBI triple by the first baseman, Jimmy Kerr, and that breaks things wide open, and, and Michigan leads 3 nothing, followed by an RBI single. So it was just a, a matter of kind of a snowball effect. And the Red Raiders were not responding defensively the way we're used to seeing them do. And there were a couple of uncharacteristic plays throughout the day that were frustrating for fans to watch. You know, there was a snap throw to second that looked like it was a pretty good one from Micah Dallas, but ended up underneath the base runner as he slid back in. So it was a little bit off target. A lot of blame being placed on Josh Young. We were in the ballpark. We watched the review on our phone. It didn't look like Young had a chance at the ball as it was under the runner, uh, but I did have someone tell me it went off his glove. Not exactly sure. I didn't get to see that anymore. Very few replays happening in the ballpark. One replay on a play, maybe, but more often than not, they don't replay at all. So it's been tough to get closer looks at some things. You also had an uncharacteristic, odd situation happen on a throw from Braxton Fulford to second. It looked like the throw was on target, but Brian Klein ended up out of position in front of the bag, so he falls back and doesn't get the tag. He kind of falls down onto the bag, it seemed like. Of course, the play from Josh Young going to Cameron Warren, that's the 99 out of 100. That play happens. Either Josh hits him in the chest or Cam digs him out. That one, Cam ends up in the wrong position also on a bad hop. It gets him up high. He falls back, not able to make the play. Those just things that don't normally happen to this team, and I have to chalk it up to some sort of mental mistake. That's the, the frustrating part of it. So the Red Raiders offensively, you're facing Carl Kaufman. He ends up going seven innings pitched, gives up eight hits, only three runs, no walks. There's a key in three strikeouts. He goes 101 pitches in his seven innings. Kaufman was really, really good. I mean, he had a really solid day. He dropped his ERA on the day, did a nice job for the Wolverines. He didn't send the Red Raiders down in order until the fourth, and that was the only time in the day they did go down that quickly. There were some questions about quick at-bats. I, I don't think the Red Raiders were extending at-bats as much as we've seen them do, but they weren't doing a terrible job. They weren't jumping all over first pitches. There wasn't a lot of three up, three down. But they did tally their first hit in the first. It was Brian Klein. He had a single up the middle, but they didn't do anything with it. Drew Baker has a single in the second, but once again, doesn't do anything with it. And then Dylan Noisy leads off the third with a single through the left side gap, and Brian Klein goes yard in TD Ameritrade, gets a two-run shot to get the Red Raiders back 2-4. to four. 
And so you really feel a little bit better about your situation, but that it doesn't pay off as you don't seem to be able to get anything rolling. There were a lot of atom balls on the day. They were really running the shift a lot on this team. They absolutely did their homework in the scouting report on the tendencies of the Red Raiders. They hit into the shift all day long. Tech was not able to get anything through. Lots of line drives. There were some really nice plays made defensively by Michigan, some diving balls, some line outs that were pretty tough to snag. It was a nice day for them, to be quite honest. They were playing error-free baseball, something we did not see from them when they were in Lubbock in March. They really booted the ball a lot against the Red Raiders in March. They had eight errors over that three-game series, four in the first game and then two in the next two games. Not having any errors in this game, playing really tight defensive baseball, you can see what a difference it is when you talk about playing a team in March and then playing them in postseason play, something like this. They really did a nice job on the day, and they really did outplay Texas Tech kind of all the way around. And that's frustrating to say because we want the Red Raiders to be the best, to be elite, but on this day, it just wasn't their day at the ballpark. So Brian Klein's two-run shot, and then you don't tally a hit in the fourth. Come up in the fifth, Braxton Fulford with a nice double to left field, but not able to do anything with it again. Dylan Noisy comes up after Fulford is the leadoff man, but a really nice play at second base to grab a line out as it comes across. He was diving across behind the bag, way out of position with that shift on, but he dives over and snags that liner. Otherwise, it would have been a grounder up the middle, potentially even a run. Josh Young leads off the sixth with a single through the left side, and then Cam Warren comes up with a double down the right field line, and it looks like you got something cooking. You do bring Josh around to score on Drew Baker's ground out to second base, but not able to get Cam home. Tanner Otremba has a single in the top of the seventh, but not able to get anything done with him. Cam works a walk in the eighth, but not able to get him home either. And then Braxton Fulford with a two-out single in the bottom of the ninth, and then Dylan Noisy follows with a walk. But Brian Klein ends the game with a strikeout, just not able to get those situational hits and the stats certainly reflect that. The Red Raiders struck out seven times on the day. They struck out twice looking. They hit slightly better than Michigan, who was eight for 33. That's a 242. Red Raiders nine for 36. That's a 250. But the Red Raiders only one for 10 with two outs, only two for 17 with runners on base. Michigan hitting 235 in that category. Red Raiders were 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. They hit only 222, 2 for 9 in the leadoff. Michigan took the most advantage when they had runners on third. Just not really doing much on the day. Even with runners in advancement opportunities, the Red Raiders hitting only 4 for 18. Just couldn't get the bats working. I think Kaufman was really good. I think Criswell was really good. He came in in two innings of relief, gave up one hit, two walks, and four Ks to close it out and earn the save. Just not a great day. Couldn't find a lot of positives. You kept sitting there waiting for that moment that the Red Raiders were going to break it open, catch the momentum, and ride it. And you thought Brian Klein's home run would do that, and then it just didn't. And he had a couple of really well-struck balls that in Lubbock would have been deep home runs, and here they fall at the warning track or even just shy. You have some guys that just get really close to having great hits, and Michigan makes a nice play or they've got the shift on, and it ends up being an easy line out or an easy grounder. So 
Now they're going to have to face the Arkansas Razorbacks on Monday at 1 p.m. in an elimination game. Arkansas went down one nothing to Florida State, who, man, talk about a Cinderella story here. One of the last four in, Mike Martin's 40th year, 17th trip to the College World Series. I would have argued they didn't even belong in the field of 64, and here they are in the College World Series in the winner's bracket looking to play Michigan on Monday evening. So it should be an interesting time out here in Omaha. There's plenty more to happen. And don't think this is an impossible road. You've seen this before. In 2017, Florida won the College World Series coming out of the loser's bracket. Similar situation for Oregon State last year. So this is not an impossible road, but the Red Raiders have their work cut out for them. I think they're talented enough to do it. It's just a matter of the want to, the drive, and some of the chips falling your way to get out there and make some things happen. So just to recap you with a couple of the performance numbers yesterday and some of the all-time things that the Red Raiders are looking at now. Brian Klein went two for five. He had that home run, two RBI. That was his second home run of the season. That's his second career home run in an NCAA tournament game. He hit one in 2018 versus Duke in the Super Regional. It was his 23rd multi-hit game of the season. He had 15 multi-RBI games. He's hit safely in five of seven in the NCAA tournament. Brian Klein continues to be Mr. Consistency. Yesterday, he was your best offensive spark plug for the Red Raiders, and It's nice to have him there and doing those kinds of things. Nice to see him perform on that stage. You just wish the rest of the team had been around to pick him up as well. Cameron Warren won for three. He had a double and did draw a walk. It's the 17th double of the season, so he has the same number of doubles as he does home runs, and he had four extra base hits so far in this NCAA tournament. Josh Young was one for four with a run, so he's hit safely in every game in the tournament. Braxton Fulford two for four with a double. It's his ninth double of the season, second in the tourney. Connor Queen came in in relief and had a pretty nice day. Two innings pitch. He had one hit, no runs, two walks, three strikeouts. He did hit a batsman out of the 10 that he faced. That's his ninth scoreless effort in 11 appearances. He's thrown two-plus innings in six of his last seven outings, and he matched his season high with three strikeouts. Dane Havman also came in. He had one and two-thirds innings pitched. He gave up no hits but one run. It was not earned. Gave up a walk. He didn't have any strikeouts. He faced seven batters. That's his second straight scoreless outing. Overall, and this is probably one of the most frustrating things for Tech fans, you drop to 2-7 and seven all-time in the NCAA College World Series. Obviously, coming to the College World Series four times, four out of six years, it's fantastic, but you've won two games here so far, and that can be a little bit frustrating for fans as you look at it because fans want to expect more. It's not a matter of getting spoiled, just a matter of expecting this team to continue stepping forward. 2014, no wins, but happy to be there. 2016, you get a win in the loser's bracket against Florida, but don't get to continue any further. 2018, you get your first first game win. You find yourself in the winner's bracket, but then you lose two straight to be eliminated, first to Arkansas and then to Florida. And now here you are in the loser's bracket again and did not beat Michigan, a team that you swept in March. I'm not saying it's easy by any means. I'll be the first to say it's tough. And when you're talking about, I don't like our record in the College World Series, you're still talking about a record in the College World Series. There's nothing negative about that, about being there. But, and I know Tim Tadlock would feel the same way, you want to get those wins. And he also characterized how he feels about this situation in his comments at the practice field on Sunday to the media. Yeah, I mean, really, you you got an opportunity to play on the biggest stage there is in college baseball. You've lost one game, and... um, you know, which is, you know, eventually maybe you might, that might happen for everybody that's here. Um, I look at it as a positive. We've got a lot of guys on the mound. 
Uh, got a lot of guys experience. Uh, get an opportunity to play on Monday. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those deals where we haven't seen this team with their backs against the wall, really, yet. And uh, looking forward to seeing it. I think it's really easy to forget at times that baseball, even here, even in the College World Series, eight teams left, winner-take-all type situations, it's still a long-season sport. It's still a sport that isn't decided by only one game and that anything can pop up and happen on any given day. And so while the Red Raiders have one chance to stay in this thing and no chances to lose, that there's still any possibility that could happen, and they may come around and boat race these guys on Monday. You have no idea because baseball just does things like that. But I do think you have a team that is talented, they're experienced, they're focused, or at least they should be, and they should come out ready to play on Monday. I have a lot of faith in that. Coach Tadlock was also asked about pitching. He said he hasn't made the decision yet about who's going to play, but there was some conversation there about Caleb Killian and who was built for an elimination game type scenario. Uh, Caleb, you know, he's, um, first of all, we hadn't decided for sure on that, kind of looking at it this afternoon. Uh, But I would say you'd like to think your whole team's built for moments like this. You work throughout the whole year, put yourself in this position. Uh, These guys love playing baseball. They, you know, it's, uh, we ran into a guy could really pitch yesterday, or two guys, ran into a team that played really good defense. And so that, that part of it, you can't really control. That's just, that's, that's the game we play. And, um, you know, these guys, um, these guys have prepared. They're ready for this moment. They just need to go out and trust what they do. Dave Van Horn, the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks, has announced that Connor Noland will be the starting pitcher in the Monday game against Texas Tech. So Isaiah Campbell, their ace, is who went against Florida State, and he pitched a shutout. I mean, you couldn't ask much more from him. He's had 118 and a third innings pitch this season. They've really ridden his arm, 125 strikeouts to 22 walks. But he's off the table now. So the Red Raiders will be facing Connor Nolan. He's got an ERA of four even. He's three and five on the season. He's their second innings pitch guy. And I told you about Campbell's 118 and a third because Nolan at number two on the list, only 74 and a third innings pitch. So huge difference there. He's given up 17 base knocks. He's given up 17 extra base hits on the season, 11 home runs and six doubles. Batters are hitting a 242 against Connor Nolan. So if there's anybody that you want to face as far as their starting rotation, this is definitely not a bad guy for that to happen. So looking forward to what the Red Raiders might do, maybe a day where they feast. That would be obviously a situation that Texas Tech would like to see. And to Tim Tadlock's comments, at the very least with some silver lining in yesterday's game, you did get a lot of guys in and get them some work on that stage. I can tell you from an atmosphere standpoint, it's second to none. There were over 24,000 people in TD Ameritrade Park yesterday. It was the largest game one crowd since 2015. It was overcast and comfortable and the sun came out and it heated up a little bit but it's a beautiful day beautiful day for baseball really neat great f-18 flyover by the marines as well so just america that's what that day was but that's a big stage that's a lot of people 
for a young man to walk out in front of on that bump and deliver strikes. Micah Dallas did a pretty good job early. It didn't seem like the situation was getting to Micah. The stuff just wasn't there that day. And sometimes that happens in baseball. Sometimes your stuff is just not quite there. Your fastball, you lose a tick off of it, and you try to make up for it with breaking pitches. Sometimes it's just not not your day, and I just don't think it was his. He is one of the main reasons Texas Tech is here in this situation. He was the only Power 5 freshman that was 7-0 and walking into that game. That was his first loss of the season for Micah Dallas. He's really, really been strong for the Red Raiders. It cannot lay things at his feet knowing how he's been. It was just one of those days where things don't go your way. Well, let's look ahead to these Arkansas Razorbacks, and then we'll get you folks out of here. You can be ready for game day here, 1 p.m. at TD Ameritrade Park couple of things to look at for these Razorbacks as far as their starting pitching. We mentioned that Dave Van Horn had announced that his pitcher would be the freshman Connor Nolan. Nolan is a two-sport athlete. He's a backup quarterback on their football team and he's had a pretty good season, but something in a conversation with Ryan Hyatt that I had yesterday, he was not able to, after April, break through the wall. It seemed like a freshman that maybe was struggling, had hit the wall, and has not done well since then. His innings pitched has been reduced. He has not had the outings that he had earlier in the season. He also has had a one and three record in that time since mid-April. So not really the best thing out there right now. And I think that it may be a situation where Dave Van Horn has thrown Isaiah Campbell, his undoubted ace, against Florida State. They lost the game 1-0, and then now you don't have a lot of other options. So I don't think that Arkansas is going to be trotting anybody out there that's just unhittable and nuts, and I think that's a positive. Ryan also brought up a really great point. Against Florida State, Arkansas was absolutely getting pounded by breaking balls. They could not hit the breaking stuff. It was destroying their game, and they were not able to do much of anything against the Seminoles. So if you're trotting out a guy like Caleb Killian – most likely Taylor Floyd in relief, then you have some guys with some wipeout stuff that can get out there and really cause mayhem and frustration for the Razorbacks at the plate. Definitely a positive for the Red Raiders today as they head into this one. I don't want to overstate expectations, but I think this is one of those days if the bats are working for Texas Tech, they could really put some pop on offensively and that your pitching could really frustrate Arkansas and it could be a good day at the ballpark for Texas Tech. Don't count these Red Raiders out yet, folks. Another important point to bring up for Arkansas, they are a power team. Ryan told me that they are the number two power team in the SEC. They have combined on the season for 87 home runs. They've got five guys in double-digit home runs led by Heston Kerstad with 16, but their number two home run hitter is Casey Martin. He's a spark plug for this team. He's a 284 hitter, but he's very important to them in their lineup, and he's important in the field. Martin got injured against Florida State. He was going for a tag at second and ended up the runner running through his arm, and it looked like it dislocated his shoulder. Now, it was one of those, the shoulder comes out some, and it pops back in on its own. But I can tell you, and from experience, I've done that myself, it doesn't feel good, and you lose a lot of strength and power in that shoulder until all those muscles and tendons firm back up, and it takes some time. So I'm sure that he's going to play. I'm sure it'll be all wrapped up under the uniform, but that's something to think about. And really the question is, is can he hit? Is he going to be able to go inside out? Is he going to be able to turn on it and get anything done at the plate? And that'll be a big difference there. Not that the power numbers are such a difference maker in TD Ameritrade Park. It's such a big yard. But it is important to look at and think about, hey, you lose a guy like that, especially from the extra base hit standpoint, that could really cause some difficulties for the Razorbacks. 
There's been a lot of talk out there about who Texas Tech's starting pitcher will be today. Coach Tadlock has not announced that. I am in the camp, and I think many agree that it will be Caleb Killian. Ryan put it really well in saying that you don't think that Coach Tadlock, if Texas Tech loses, gets on a plane tonight and flies back to Lubbock, Texas without Caleb Killian, your top drafted pitcher, your junior that's been here before, having not thrown a single pitch in the College World Series. It just doesn't seem like his style or what he would do. Now, I understand he doesn't want to tip his hand, and that is totally fine by me. You have an interesting storyline with Bryce Bonin, who did transfer from Arkansas, but you think about a couple things. Not only is Bryce Bonin known by the players of that team, and they would have scrimmaged together and things of that nature, but also the pitching coach and staff know every weakness he has, and so that's not a situation you want to put yourself in in the College World Series. There's also been some conversation about, well, if you start Killian Bonin could be your relief and you know Bryce Bonin just isn't a relief pitcher he's he has a starting routine that's how it works for those pitchers they want to be in that routine so if you go relieve with Bonin you've got a game coming up on Wednesday you've got to think about and then if you can get to Friday you roll back around into a regular starting rotation situation where you can go back to Micah Dallas and then potentially Killian on Saturday if you need to so I don't think that you go with Bonin in the starting role, and I don't think that you go to Bonin in relief, especially when you have a guy like Taylor Floyd with just a wipeout slider, fantastic job up there. He's a strikeout guy, and that's what you need in that situation to move between Killian and Floyd. That can really keep Arkansas off balance all day long. So the last thing I want to mention that Ryan and I talked about as well You know, you see a lot of noise out there right now. The Red Raider fans are noticeably upset, obviously. You know, there's a 2-7 and record by Texas Tech and Omaha. But I think an interesting point he made is, you know, fans, we look at the whole picture. We're constantly looking at four times in six years, 2-7 and record. But this team is 0-1 in Omaha. This team has played one game. And that's how they're looking at themselves. That's how Coach Tadlock is looking at them. And it's important to remember that, that this team hasn't done anything that those other teams have or haven't done they've only done what they've done here on Saturday and now they'll have an opportunity to get to one and one today in this year at the College World Series so let's try to remember that support these guys I know you will it's going to be a great day at the ballpark I think the Red Raiders are going to have a good one I think they're going to come out on top and you're going to find yourself playing again on Wednesday so looking forward to it. It's going to be fun out there. I want to apologize to Ryan Hyatt. We've had a couple of great conversations. We just weren't able to get him recorded and on the podcast. We'll get that done soon. Appreciate all of y'all for hanging with Dinger Derby this year, making it so successful. Looking forward to many more episodes to come. Looking forward to more episodes to come from here in Omaha as well. So have a great day today. Find yourself an opportunity to watch that game at 1 o'clock, and we'll talk to you soon. If I don't see you before then, until next time, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar 
There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me